Now, um, God has not released me from last week's message. All right, I just need to say that. He hasn't released me from last week's message. Um, I have, it's not that, that, that I can't move ahead. I can move ahead, but I'm stuck there. We kind of shared a little bit on that Wednesday. Um, we shared, I have a men's group that I'm a part of in our men's group Saturday morning. I shared a little bit with them. Whenever I get an opportunity to speak, I'm talking about what God has just dropped in my spirit in this text. But he showed me something fresh that I just want to show you in the same passage this morning. And we'll kind of relive a little bit of what we relived last week. But I just kind of walked through a couple of things with you in the text. And today I promised that we would move on to the staff. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to back up a little bit and retract because um, I need help just like you need help, just like we all need help. And sometimes if we take the short route and end the series too fast, we'll miss, you know, what God is saying. So since, since we've been talking about this whole Exodus deal from slavery to Canaan and the topic for the past three weeks, this is the third week now, has really been avoid the shortest route. I just want to show you one more thing in, in these verses, then we're going to move on. Uh, I want to review what I shared last week, and then we're going to move that God would move and have his way. Amen? And I was hoping to end the series in chapter 17. I was going to st- skip 15, 16, all that stuff, and just show you something in 17. So if, if time is okay today, I'll show that to you. If not, we'll deal with it on next week. Amen? Can you guys grace me? Amen. All right, good, 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 good. Okay, uh, let's pray and then go to Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to allow God to have his way. Um, Holy Spirit, we thank you for you. We thank you for being God. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. As we look at your word this morning, uh, speak through me. Felix dies once again that you may take residence on the throne of my life. Thank you for the encounter this morning. Thank you for the experience of worship. As I stand to say, thus saith the Lord to this congregation, that you have graced our leadership team with God. We love you more and more and more and more and more. So my prayer this morning is for that person that's hurting, that um, is saying, when will God fight for me? Is saying, I'm tired of fighting. Is saying, Egypt has been difficult. Is saying... When will the iniquitous cycle be broken? Hope, Holy Spirit, open all of our eyes this morning so we can understand why you do what you do so we can grow to be more like you. So we thank you for that, Lord. We give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory, God. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. For a little bit of context, um, and then I'm going to give you my big idea that we're going to talk through that. A little bit of context. Katani and I have been married for a long time, um, a long, long time, and um, we have been in debt, we've been out of debt, we've been in debt, and we've been out of debt. And I said that to say, uh, you hear her, her testimony, she's been, and she's the bill payer, she's really good at that stuff, so she just takes my check and spends it and gives me a little allowance, and I'm cool with that, I'm, I'm still the man, so whatever, you know, <laughs> so, so it's all cool, so it, doesn't matter to me who pays the bills, right? As long as it gets done. But I said that to say, this time we're out for good. That's, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This time, this time, this time we're, out, we're out for good. Um, and the reason I can say that confidently is because we have learned the principles that I'm trying to teach you this morning. Um, our mindset has changed. You know, when you're young, 
and you have money, you spend it, and you go live, and you, you kind of get the deal, and you think you've got to do it all right then and there. And as you're maturing, you make more money, and you pay off more debt, but then you do it again, and you repeat the cycle. Um, and then you get freed, and you do it again. Y'all know how that works. Come on. I mean, we've been through that. And so our, our, our premise is that we're going to finish life strong, okay? Very, very important. We want to finish life, we want to finish life strong. And so she's been, she's, been, she's been very, very consistent in that. And so, um, bless me. So um, you're not going to get that new car because then we'll go back in it again. Yeah. So. <laughs> I just thought, Eldrick, you do debt management, right? Stand up real quick. This is a free for you, free plug for you. If y'all want to get out of debt, see that man right there, okay? He lives in Colorado Springs since, since I just said that. Good to see you, man. So y'all make sure y'all connect with him um, to get that taken care of. I'm saying that because that's the heart of the series that a lot of us are missing. I'm just trying to give you the spiritual part of it so we can shape our framework to understand what getting to more than enough is all about. Now, here's the thing that we've been talking about this week. God is never in a hurry. When he is working on us, he allows adequate time for him to remove everything and anything in us that is not like him. So where we want to say to him, God, hurry up, do this. God, hurry up, finish this process. God, hurry up, take me. God, hurry up, move me. I'm learning more and more with God. He's never in a hurry to, to, to when working on us because he wants adequate time to take out of us everything that's not like him. And as I'm processing that, that big idea statement all week long, I, I reread my passage again, and I, I always I do that. I, I reread over and over and over and over again. And, and a prepositional phrase stuck out in my mind that added to the reasons for the Red Sea, okay? It added to the reasons for the Red Sea. And I've said this in some shape, form, or fashion throughout the, the three weeks that I've been teaching just on these verses, but I want to revisit it, and I just want to say it differently, and hopefully you'll be able to hear what I'm saying this morning, okay? So go with me to Exodus chapter 14, okay? Um, and and repeat, repeat out to me as we go there. Say, God wants to get, wants to get the, glory the glory for working in our lives. One more time. God wants to get, wants to get the, glory the glory for working in our lives. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 14. And I'm just going to read those first four verses. And I think I'm going to stay in chapter 14 because I don't want to be long. And I want you all to, to walk away with the principles that I'm going to share with you. I'm in the ESV. Verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihiaroth between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal Zephon, and you shall encamp facing it by the sea. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. Okay, and look at verse 4. I, God said, this is first person singular speaking, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And he will pursue them. And then I, first person, singular once again, will get glory. And this is the word that caught my attention over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the last phrase says, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. 
and the Israelites did so. That little phrase is jacking me up. Verse 4, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, being the Israelites, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Repeat. Say, God wants to get glory over the Pharaoh of my life. That's deep stuff. That's deep stuff. That's deep stuff. Let me, you know, it's the simple phrase that comes to mind as I'm processing what I'm about to say is the kids, um, when, when kids play, You'll hear kids or children use these terms. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of you. You've heard them say that, right? And, and, and they'll fight all day long, and, and they'll come to you, Mommy, 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 tell her I'm the boss of her, or tell her I'm the boss of him. And, and it's almost like God says to the Israelites, listen, I, I got one more thing to know. Pharaoh needs to know that I'm the boss of him. And hold up, hold up, hold up. Not only does Pharaoh need to know that, all of Egypt needs to know that I'm the boss of him. And, and here's the other part. Not only does the Israelite need to know that and the Pharaoh needs to know that, you too need to know that I am the boss of Pharaoh. Now, the reason that phrase struck out with me is because my problem and, and your problem and the problem with us worshiping God in the truest sense of the word is that he's not really boss over the Pharaohs of our lives. We say he is. But when it comes down time to worship him, our behaviors show that he is not. And so, one of the reasons for the Red Sea, if not now that I'm here, the, the dominant reason for the Red Sea was so that Pharaoh could, I mean, God could show Pharaoh, or Yahweh, let me use that word, could show Pharaoh who God really was. Okay, and y'all know the story quite well. So he says to them, uh, that progress had been made, right? And then he says to them, turn back, go back around, and position yourself with the sea in front and the mountains behind, and there's only one escape route, and I'm going back to Egypt. Y'all hang here. I got to do some things in Egypt. I'm going back to Egypt. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart again, and then he's going to come, and he's going to pursue you. But this time, I want to get glory over, over. Come on, say over. over. Say it again. Say over. over. Let me give you a little bit of literary context to bring you on speed with this. Understand with me at the time of the text that the, the, the major issue that we're confronting or the major point of tension is the fact that the Israelites had been in bondage for over 400 years. They had been subservient or servant to the king of Egypt, namely Pharaoh. And so after serving this booger for all this time and him lording over them in the minds of the Israelites, they were literally more afraid of Pharaoh than they were of God. Literally, they were more afraid of Pharaoh than they were of God. 
So now, lock into me, and, and, and we don't have time to go there, so you're going to have to check me when you get home, because if we had time, I'd give you some reference scriptures, but let me just give you one. In Exodus chapter 3, understand with me that when God called Moses, God said to Moses, um, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Now, listen to this. I have seen the oppression of the land of Egypt. I have seen how much they have served the Pharaoh. I have seen how much he has ruled. He has dominated over them. So I need you to go to him and tell him, listen, there's a new Pharaoh on the scene. There's a new God on the scene. There's a new chief on the scene. So, so I need to say, release my people so they can stop serving you and understand with me at the time of the text, Egypt was a world empire. We're not talking Green Valley Ranch, y'all. Are you with me? We are talking a world empire where all the empires of the world were subservient to Egypt. Now, it doesn't help that God had postured them to be such an empire because you remember this 400 years later when the famine came, people from all over the world went to do commerce with Egypt. So they had everybody's money. Oh, y'all know this. Come on. Are you with me? And so they had set up themselves as this world reigning place, and God's people were stuck to them. And all of a sudden, Yahweh Elohim comes on the scene, unbeknownst to Pharaoh, and uses Moses to say, go to Pharaoh and tell him, release my people so that they don't serve you, they may serve me. Now watch this. The tension, and you've heard this for all three weeks, Moses is like, God, come on, man. You know who you're messing with? He's a God too. Y'all heard this, right? And Moses, and then God said the I am that I am and gave him all this stuff. And, and you remember the 10 plagues, right? It was all about the battle of the gods. You guys remember all that? And so now, this is a key phrase. The tension with the people leaving Israel was not so much the truth that God can deliver them, but is what's going to happen if Pharaoh pursues us. That was the concern. So we get what God could do. We get who God is. We get all that stuff, but Pharaoh's got power himself. Pharaoh has some things. And so now you need to understand now, on this Exodus journey, while they're going, the whole time they're traveling, the whole time they're sojourning, the whole time they're walking, they're looking over their shoulder to see if Pharaoh's coming. Now, now may I remind you, don't be so hard on the Egyptians because you and I do the same things in life. You, you, you don't believe me. God said, trust him, and, and, and we trust God. And God, let me give you this practical example. And God said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added. And we take the risk, and we decide to tithe and not pay a bill. And we sit there and watch the television to see if that number going to dial. We're looking over our shoulder to see. Or God brings you out of a difficult marriage or a difficult situation or addictive circumstance or whatever it is, whatever it is. And we, we, we live our Christian journey looking over our shoulder to see if that thing is going to show up again. 
Oh, don't act like it's just Katani and me. <laughs> and so if that's you today, God is saying to you, you know what? Turn around. And going back by the region of Fahiroth Migdal, and I need you to encamp with the sea facing you and the mountains behind. Because there comes a point now where I need to get glory over the thing so you can trust me without looking over your shoulder. I wish I had somebody. So you can serve me without looking over your shoulder because a lot of us can't go full-fledged for God and we can't go all out for God because of what happened yesterday. Yesterday is stuck in the back of our mind and yesterday has us captive and yesterday has us in slavery. But I came by to tell you today that God has showed up to tell you, turn around, turn around. I want to show you something because I'm going to deal with your yesterday today. Matter of fact, I'm going to deal with it so much, you park right here, I'm going to get it and bring it to you. And here's how we see it. Man, I thought, I thought I was done with that. I thought, I thought I dealt with that. Why is it coming up right now? Well, God told you to turn around and go camp by the sea, and you wait right here. I'm going to get it. And I'm going to bring it to you. Because it's hindering you from serving me because I have not yet gotten glory over. It's still competing with you for my view. And the reason for the release was total devotion to God, was total worship to God. Matter of fact, you'll notice if I were to skim ahead to Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5, you'll hear him preach this twice. I, the Lord your God, I'm a jealous God. Yeah, yeah. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not in any form, you shall not make an image, you shall not bow down to worship him, because the moment you set anything up that competes with me, and you trying to get to Canaan, I'm going to slow you down, turn you around, and I'm going to bring your own God and show it to you. That's jacking me up. It, that's what, y'all wait here. I'm going to get Pharaoh. Because I want to get glory over Pharaoh in your life. I want to get glory over Pharaoh in the Egyptians' mindset such that when you're following me, you don't have to worry about Pharaoh. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Are you with me? I, I want y'all to wrestle with this. I want y'all to wrestle with this because that's what it says. Look at, look at verse uh, 1. The Lord, and verse 3, then Pharaoh will say, the people of Israel are wandering in the land of wilderness. The wilderness has shut them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to pursue them. I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am what? And they did so. Now, let me jump ahead. Let me jump ahead. Look at verse 8, because, I, you know, I preached this three weeks now. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, king of Egypt. He pursued the Israelites while the people were going out defiantly. 
The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots. His horsemen, his enemy overtook them as they camped by the sea. Now, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. Lord have mercy. God's people. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Watch this carefully. They said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Watch this. What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Important phrase. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Lord have mercy. After the deliverance, they go bring up some stuff that happened back. Now, 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 you, you got to get this. You got to get this. Y'all bear with me. I'm not going to make much progress today at all. Bear with me. Here's Moses in Egypt. Hey, guys, God has sent me to let you out. And he said, come. He's going to take you to a land, chapter 3, flowing with milk and honey, where there's pomegranates that's the size of watermelons, and there's grapes, and I mean, just phenomenal stuff. God's going to give you the land of the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and all that stuff, and the Canaanites. He's going to bless you with that fertile land. Leave Egypt and come. Moses, you tripping. <laughs> We're comfortable in Egypt. We got steak, potatoes, collard greens, ham hocks, <laughs> peach gobbler pie, potato pies for some of y'all. Um, and, you know, and we're doing good. And you want us to leave this and trust who? And go where? We're cool. Then all of a sudden, God does his thing, right? God does his thing with the ten plagues. And they say, hey, y'all, I think we need to trust Moses, okay, and trust God. So they leave, but the whole time they, in their walking, they're looking over. Amen. Y'all, I love you. I love y'all. Okay? All right? Are we cool? Are we cool? Okay, good. You need to stop shacking up, and you need to move out right now. Because that's that ain't right in the eyes of God. You know what? You need to stop having sex before marriage. You need to stop doing all this stuff. You need to stop and trust God. But then if I move out, who who will help me pay my rent? Who's Who's gonna help me? How am I gonna survive? How am I? I got needs, you know. And then you hear a convicted message because you see the hand of God. And then you move out, but the whole time you got Pookie in the back pocket. <laughs> Are you with me? You're looking over the shoulder just in case God does not show up when the rent is due. And you're looking over just in case God does not show up when you need groceries. Just in case God doesn't show up, you've got a number you can call because you're used to how life was in Egypt. 
And then the moment God doesn't show up, here's what you say. I told y'all I shouldn't have moved out because I had it made and now I stopped selling drugs and I stopped selling marijuana and I stopped prostitution. I stopped all that stuff to follow God. Now what? Now what? Where's he at? I should have kept doing what I was doing on Colfax and Yosemite. That's what we just read. That's what we just read. You should have left us in Egypt. We'd have been better off. And so God says, oh, you know what? I need to show you something. Turn around. <laughs> turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around, turn around. And then God begins this process. Now, let me share you these five things. Go down to verse 13, chapter 14. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the what? Salvation. Salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see how? And I like this next phrase. The Lord will fight for you only be silent. That's euphemistic. That's nice. Just shut up. Better translation, I think. Say stand firm. Stand firm. No, back up, back up. Erase. Say fear not. Fear not. Say it again. Say fear not. Fear not. Now, now I, I, I dealt with that extensively last week, so please go and pick that tape up and listen to it. People, God has not given us a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, what? The reason we get afraid is because we can't see it and we don't know that route. Remember I said with you about two weeks ago, he, they knew the short route and he took them the scenic route and the challenge with the scenic route, they didn't know what was next because they had never been there before. Right? That's my problem. I haven't been there before so I don't know what's around the corner so I can't figure God out so I walk in fear. And here's what fear causes me to do, to look over to see how close the Egyptians are catching up. You guys are tracking with me? Yeah. Say fear not. Fear not. Say stand firm. Yeah. Here's what I said to you last week about standing firm. It's not a passive standing firm. It's an active standing firm knowing that standing firm does not mean don't do anything. It means hold firm to what God has called you to do and then move forth on the work of the Lord. Okay, you don't compromise on your standings, you don't compromise on your convictions, and most importantly, you don't compromise on the Word of God. Come on, does this make sense? Okay, and look at the text. When we, when we fear not, we stand firm, we see the salvation, okay? Yeshua was the Hebrew word there, which means deliverance or the saving or, or the setting free of God. And here's how we said it last week. Some of us are so afraid, as opposed to standing firm, we want to run and we expect God to chase us down to set us free. No, he's not that kind of God. He said, fear not, stand firm, and see what I'm going to do for you. But because we don't stay there long enough for him to do what he needs to do, we miss it. And so listen to the phrase that never happens the Egyptians you see today, because we run and we don't stand firm, we see them again. Right? We see them again. And we see them again. So here's how I said it in my introduction. A lot of y'all missed it. Katani and I, this go-round, 
are saying, we're not going to see those Egyptians no more. That's what I said. Y'all remember? We've been married a long time now, and, and, and in my early years, I was the stupid, dumb one. She's so fine, she just couldn't sin. Just a righteous woman. Bless her heart. Lord, forgive her. But, but, but you see what I'm saying? And because of my foolishness, I had to see the Egyptians over and over and over and over and over again till I decided to stand firm, fear not, and watch God deliver. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay? And then the most important phrase, verse 14, the Lord will do what? The Lord will do what? The Lord will do what? I need everybody to say that. Say, the Lord will fight for me. One more time. Say, the Lord will fight for me. I've got less than seven minutes to do this. Okay. Now, here's what I said to you last week. Between verses 14 and verse 15, it is almost as if a change in scene happened where Moses told these people boldly, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord. And he says, God's going to fight for you. But he says, y'all wait here. And then he went and he consults with God. Okay. Then the, the tone of the conversation changes because listen to what God says to Moses in verse 15. Watch this. The Lord said to Moses, why do you do what? Cry. cry. What? Why do you cry to me? He says, tell the people of Israel to go forward. And then it says in verse 15, lift up your staff and listen carefully, guys, and stretch out your hand where? Over the sea to divide it that the people of Israel may go forth where? On what? Very, very important thing. There's a couple of notes I made here I want to share. I wanted to share some things with you. So now let me say this importantly, importantly. The Lord will fight for you. You just stand still, raise your hand. So it's as if God is saying to Moses, let me, let me just say it this way. Moses, I gave you everything you need to do what I need done. Why are you crying out to me? I've got me. I'm going to do me. I just need you to do what I empowered you to do. Important principle, important principle. Because a whole lot of us are crying out, praying to God for deliverance. And God is saying, I already gave you a staff. If we had time, we would go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, make a New Testament connection where when we haven't believed, it says in verse 13, you will mark with him a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. What that means, listen to this carefully because we don't have time to deal with this. At the point of your salvation, when you gave your life to Christ and the Holy Spirit entered your life, God gave you a staff in your hand. Here's what it sounded like Wednesday night. Find out what your staff is. Because that's the vehicle for getting the red seat apart. Important principle. That's your vehicle for getting the red sea to part. Can say it again. Okay. Let's go to elementary school. Repeat after me. Said a staff parts the red sea. One more time. Say the staff parts the Red Sea. Okay, good. Now, let me, let, me say, let me say a couple of things about the staff. Um, and, and I want to point this out. So just give me a moment. Let me just, just say this real quick. Okay. The staff, I said this last week. I said it Wednesday. I'm going to say it again. The staff is not designed to work. 
while you're in Egypt. It's okay. It's okay. Okay? It's okay. Because, and, and let me just be black and white with you all. I have to with Sunday morning and you came to church. If you're living in sin, don't expect your staff to work. Okay? It's not designed, designed to work in Egypt. That same staff in Egypt is going to function like a sword. And it's going to kill people and hurt people as opposed to helping them. Listen, 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 listen. Moses' name means drawn out. He is a deliverer. Are you with me? Now watch this. He sees two Hebrews fighting against an Egyptian beating two Hebrews. And he goes, staff that God didn't give him yet. And he kills and thinks he's helping. Next day, he sees two Hebrews. And he says to them, why are you guys fighting each other? Listen to what they say to him. Who made you deliverer? Listen, are you going to kill us too? He's thinking he's helping. But he's in Egypt. Your staff is not designed to work while in Egypt. Because in Egypt, you're serving Pharaoh, not God. Oh, come on, y'all. Come on, 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 come on. Even though Moses might have thought he was helping, Yahweh was not Lord over his life. Pharaoh was. Are you with me? Come on, come on. Is this making sense? So, so listen, somebody need to get that. Make your exodus out of Egypt from slavery to Canaan so you can find your staff. Come on, I wish I had, I wish I had somebody here, okay? A uh, cu couple of things, couple of things real quick, okay? Now, let's go to the Red Sea. Now, now if, if, if you're using the staff and you're raising it over the Red Sea, I'm using metaphors here, and the Red Sea is imparting, you might want to check to see which staff you have in your hand. Because somebody else's staff is not designed to work with you. And so here's what we do. Here's what we do. We, we turn the television on and we see somebody else's ministry and we want to be just like them and we want to be just like that. And God didn't call us to do that and God didn't call us to be just like them. Or we see somebody else doing this business and it looks successful and we figure if we apply the same principles, it ought to work. But for them, they're getting prosperous and they're getting rich. And for you, all you're doing is throwing money to them and the Red Sea is important. Come on, if it's not uniquely you, get your own staff and leave others alone come on is this making sense I want us to walk I want us to walk through this I want us to walk through this I want us to walk through this very very important quit chasing other folks staff are you guys hearing me okay quit chasing other people staff so your staff is only designed to work in your area of calling Listen, 
Moses was a deliverer, shepherd guy, and his staff only worked in shepherding. Here's what I've been saying all Wednesday. I'll say it this morning. When David killed Goliath, David used the staff that God had given him. He was a striker. Are you with me? And his confidence in parting his Red Sea was in striking. Here is his preparation. Hey, Saul, when I was a young man, I fought a bear and a lion. Here's what I did. I struck him. And this Goliath, guess what I'm going to do to him? I'm going, yeah, I'm just going to strike him because I know my staff. This is free. All of David's riches came from striking. He'd go to the Amalekites, smack them around real good, take their money, their women, and he'd put it in his treasury. Y'all knew this. He'd go to the Philistines and he'd smack them around real good, take their money and put it in his treasury. He was in line with his path. Does this make sense, guys? One more thing and then we're going to stop because I'm out of time. Look with me at this verse. Look at this. Look at this verse. Verse 17. <sighs> well, back up to 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the people of Israel, go forward, lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry land. Verse 17. I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And here's my word again. This is why it makes sense because in Old Testament narration, when you see repetition, it, it means something. Look at the phrase again. I will get glory where? Over Pharaoh and all what? His hosts and his what? Chariots and his what? Horsemen, okay? And look at what's going to happen in verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahweh when I have gotten, see the repetition again? Glory who? Over Pharaoh and over what? His chariots and over what? His horsemen. Now this is key, this is key, and we're going to stop here. This is how God fights. Then the angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. Ah, that's a tongue talking right there. She baba, excuse me, yeah. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night with what? Watch this phrase now, without one coming near the other. How long? All night. Look at 21. And Moses stretched out his hand where? Over the sea and the land drove and the land and drove the sea back by an east wind all night and made the sea land dry. Y'all didn't get that. Because y'all been reading it too long. So let me explain, then we're going to go home. So, remember the pillar of cloud? And remember the pillar of fire? That would go with them all the time. So look at what's happening. The Red Sea is in front. There is no way for them to go. Behind, 
I mean, on the side of the mountains, and here comes Pharaoh's army. And, and, and God said, Moses, I'm going to get glory over your problem. So as they are approaching, the people are freaking out. Moses, what are we going to do? And listen to what God said. Raise up your staff to part the water, and the sea is going to divide. So Moses raised up his staff, and watch what happened now. And then the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, the cloud moved from in front of Moses, the angel, and went and stood behind the Israelites facing the enemy. And, and the text says, and, and God said, y'all go. I got this. Y'all go. Y'all go. I got this. Y'all go. Come on. Y'all go. I, I got this. Y'all go. I, I think the last time I saw something like this, I was in the book of Job somewhere, and, and the enemy came, and, and God said to him, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan himself says, yeah, I saw him, but you standing like this. Go ahead, Job, come. Go ahead, Joe, come. Go ahead, Joe, come. And you've got him hemmed in, and I can't get to him. And it's no different than you and I today. God's got you hemmed in. If he says he's going to fight for you, he's going to fight for you. The problem is this. We miss where the staff is pointing. Keep your eyes toward the sea. You're back toward the enemy because I've got you. But we want to take the staff and point it towards the air. I wish I had somebody in here. Yeah. And we want to deal with the enemy and we want to fight God's battle for God. Your staff is not designed to deal with your enemies. Oh, I need two amen because I know I'm preaching. I mean, this thing is all in my spirit. Y'all got to get this. Because the moment you turn around to face your enemy, you have exposed yourself to some stuff that you don't need to see. Ha! You wonder why when Abram and then when got Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah, the instruction was what? Y'all know this. Y'all know this, so why in the world do we continue? Shame a whole lot of us ain't turned into salt yet. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me? You got to walk like you know God's going to create something even though you don't see it and you keep going forward into your Canaan because God's got your back and God will fight your battle for you because the cloud has repositioned itself for your defense. Ha! Ah! But we don't trust God like that, right? God, I don't see you. He says, you don't need to see me. I'm in your hand. I'm in the staff. Lo, I am with you. I wish I had somebody in here. Even unto the ends of the earth, raise the staff and move forward. I've got the things that you have left behind. So Paul said, forgetting that which is behind, reaching forward to that which is before, press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Quit 
not looking back. We look back and we hinder God from getting glory over. Because we, God, I, God, God, you missed the, God, you let him get married. No, God, he's doing, no. And God can't get glory because we don't know how to shake off yesterday and walk into our tomorrow. Forgetting what's behind. He wants to get glory over. If, if I had a PI, I'd say, God wants to be the boss of your problems. <laughs> Would that work? That'll work. I'd have to hoop a little bit, though. High mountains and low valleys. Uh, you don't hear me. Uh, you got, yeah, just, just a little bit. <laughs> but, but listen, listen on a serious note. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. I saw Ed. Ed and I were joking yesterday at our men's meeting. If it starts with $5 or $2 or he said 50 cents is what Ed said. 50 cents. I wrote down what you... Yo, dude, there's a cable right there. Be careful. Um, <laughs> there, there, there's a phrase that he said, your faith can only take you as far as your last test, I think it was. So I'm going to give you credit once and then it's mine after that. But that's so true. That's so true. We can only trust God based on what he's done in the past. Learn to trust him for what he hasn't done yet. Yeah. 